The underdog is howling. This is Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Welcome in. Uh, just trying to get this, uh, wanted to get this done for a while. Uh, Bear uh, is here. Uh, obviously, you know, people are doing their own thing amidst the pandemic. Uh, but we got an awesome podcast, I think, coming up. Uh, Colt Kubelik from SEC Network is going to join us to break down the NFL. Uh, Bear, how we doing? We're, 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 we're doing okay. Just uh, doing a little, uh, little draft prep from home. Uh, watch, watch some ponies, uh, uh, as you know. So some days good, some days bad. Today was was one of the bad, but uh, there's always tomorrow, and uh, just just uh, try, try and stay in as much as possible, and, uh, and hopefully we can get through this. And it's interesting that just a lot of people now are uh, really catching on to the whole college football. Is there going to be a delay? Are we going to start on time? So uh, yeah, I've been asked my opinion a lot about that this week. So we're just going to have to. Uh, See what happens, I know, because everybody, what did you think about Kirk's comments? And uh, I think Kirk is speaking as someone from uh, a former player, a former son of a coach, a parent of players, a, a guy who's been in the, uh, the game a while, who has obviously spoken to some people. And I, I think there are some, uh, everybody, I think at this time, it's natural to want to consider the, the, the worst case possibility. So hopefully if we do what's, uh, what's being asked of us right now by, uh, by the CDC and, and, and staying in to try and get this uh, curve flattened so people can get treated and move on. And it's some encouraging news, I guess, today from uh, from Pitt about potential uh, breakthrough with some type of treatment. Uh, uh, these are the types of things that we need for uh, for, for a little Glober Hobie each day. No doubt. And uh, there'll be, you know, things you got to fight through here to, to listen to us. I got sounds on my computer. I'm sorry, Travis. I don't know how to turn off all these alerts that keep popping up. So you'll hear those <laughs> through the podcast. I do have my email closed. You told me to close that. That's closed. Um, but there's just pop-ups going around. So I appreciate you guys bearing with us. I hope uh, we get you a couple minutes away from, you know, what, uh, is, is maybe, you know, some things you don't want to be thinking about, doing about, and we could give you a couple minutes here. Bear, I do, do you have like, what, I mean, I imagine you got enough sauce in the, in the fridge. Do we have enough goods to make some new sauce if you run out of sauce? Yes. No, I, I, I had, we went to the grocery store, uh, the, the other day and I loaded out, I got a, I got a couple of cans of, uh, of, of crushed tomatoes. I got a couple of cans of diced. I got some, some paste. I have some parsley. I got some basil. I got some garlic. I got some oregano. A little got some. Got some we're, we're 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 plenty good. We're actually uh, gonna after we get done taping this tonight, gonna gonna finish off the uh, the lasagna that I made on Sunday. No garlic bread tonight, unfortunately. But uh, oh. I forgot to forgot to get the forgot to get the bread uh, the other day at the scrub. But we we got we got some lasagna here. We're ready to go. And uh, yeah, we we can we can certainly. Uh, no more lasagna noodles, but I got I got plenty of ziti. I got some bucatini. I got some penne. I got I got plenty of other stuff. To how many through. trips have you How many trips have you made to the grocery store since the self quarantine? Usually, usually we try and go once a week. Uh, every now, like we'll we'll do one full run, you know, either a Saturday or Sunday early in the day, and then if there's something that pops up during the middle of the week, uh, I'll I'll run over to the little. The little stop and shop right, right, right nearby, and pop in there for a couple of items and, and just get out of there as quick as possible. But yeah, we we haven't been doing a whole lot of uh, 
venturing out. That's for sure. We'll maybe a little yeah. walk around our a little walk around the, uh, the, the the block every now and then just to get out and get some fresh air. Maybe a little a little drive just to kind of get out. But yeah, we're we're, we're uh, avoiding people is kind of the goal right now. Yeah. Speaking of, I got to go over to the ESPN Cap to get my dinner. So uh, I appreciate you uh, letting me know all the sauce is good at the Felica Compound. Oh, I might actually. I might ask you to mail me some if if, if things get any worse here. Bear, what's the last uh, um, game game uh, like PlayStation, Xbox game con- console you you've owned? Um, what was what was I? I uh, what was the college football game with like Tommy Frazier on the? Uh, was that like college football ninety four or ninety five? EA Sports, yeah, and, and PGA Tour with like Sawgrass, like, like Sega that. Genesis. I don't know if it was Sega Genesis or if it was a Nintendo. It, it okay. was one of those. Yeah, no, I, I, that, 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 that's as far as my. Uh, now, if you want, if you want to go like old school Nintendo or like Atari fifty two hundred, and then get into Tecmo Bowl or RBI Baseball. Now, now, you, now you're in my wheelhouse. But I think, uh, yeah, like that, 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 that PGA Tour golf and NHL ninety four. Maybe it was Sega Genesis. It could be. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a long way removed from my uh, my video gaming days. That's for sure. Wait, are you are you uh, are you active? I I have a PS3, um, and I am in a, a brutal conundrum because the last college football game was was NCAA 14, and I was thinking about if I finished Breaking Bad, I finished The Wire again, uh, I watched Tiger King. Um, I, I did all those things. So I'm kind of like tired of watching the should show. I watch you know. Tiger, should I, should I watch Tiger King? Yes. If you got, yeah, if you got some time, it's not going to get better than it is after episode three. Uh, obviously. No, no, you were completely wrong. Well, hold on. Like, I'm talking to bear here. What, 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 I'm not wrong. It was so hyped up. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, th- there's a lot of sad stuff to me in it, but it's as bizarre a thing as, as you can imagine. Um, but the, 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 the twisters that are at the end of the first and second and third are just amazing to me. And then four or five, six and seven, it's just, if you, you know, you, you know what's coming and you just, I don't know. It, 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 it level, to me, all right. It levels off to me. It's a steady incline one through three and parts of four, and then it just it's a steady um, uh, plateau. So, um, but it's yeah, definitely watch it. It's there's okay. nothing like it you will ever see. Put it that way. Okay, it's Joe Fortenbaugh's description of it earlier today where we were doing uh, daily wager was nobody wins. I'm like, okay, well, I, a I like ties. I'm a fan of uh, a good hockey tie or when they used to have them or uh, the old school pre college football overtime. Nothing wrong with a good tie. And I said nobody won, nobody won in Reservoir Dogs, and that was great. So, uh, all right, I might have to uh, I might have to give, a, it a, give it a look then. That's a great way of putting it. Great way of putting it. Um, what else we got what, before we throw what, it? Cool. I, mean, I, I want to know why. Uh, oh, I want, I want to know what what, what Bucknuts there was, was chiming in with why he thought you were so wrong. I just think it just keeps going, and it's like a train wreck that just it just. So many twists and turns and things that you're just like, are you kidding me? Moments that you have to keep going. It's like a drunk person that doesn't keep doesn't stop drinking when you know he needs to call it a call it a night. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, so anyway, I'm looking for the last PS3 game, Bear. 
that was NCAA 14, and I found the case at home because I was going to fire up the PlayStation. It's been a while. And I opened the case, and the game's not in there. Um, so it's, it's yeah, that was a brutal beat. So Tommy Frazier. Tommy Frazier was on College Football USA 97. Okay, yeah, that's the, uh, that was the equivalent, like Madden was EA, and then that, that was like 989 Sports, I think. No, it was, it was still was, EA. It was still EA. It was? Yeah, it was but definitely the, yeah. the following year, it got changed over to NCAA football with Danny Warfel on the cover. All right, and that's when 989 went to, uh, I think it was Game Breakers. That had the old, uh, it was the game day thing. There was two different, but yeah, 99 sports and, and EA. And that, and that makes sense now that it was 97, obviously, because he was, yep. he, he would have been done. And, and that, that, from TMI, that was, I remember myself and Brad and Peter Saccone, uh, ESPN radio, uh, producer. Legend. Together. Yes, exactly. What a, what a house right there. Yeah, we had, yeah, we, we, we had some fun. And I can remember that we, we were playing that, that game in our, in our, in our house that, so at that time. So we, we, we were together in that year. So that makes sense that it would be 97. What was the game you and Herbie used to go at it in? Was that the same one? Uh, probably. Yeah. That and the PGA Tour of Golf. And I mean, I can remember some epic, <laughs> um, video game, if you want to see entertainment, when we would get together for bowl games on the road, I remember being at the Phoenician. I don't know what title game it was, obviously, or what bowl game it was one year uh, when we were in Arizona, and even at the Rose Bowl at the Lightham. Like, Galloway used to come on the road and, and like, hang out, and, like, they would get, like, a second television in the room, and like, what what are their what are their buddies would bring the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever, and they would just have tournaments and be betting on Xbox these like college football. It, it was and they were so intense, it was unbelievable. And, and see, they they were trendsetters before the, the current esports uh, betting market. But but literally to have a second television wheeled into the room just for the sole purpose of being able to. Have have Xbox or uh, PlayStation? I, I forget what your competitions at any time is just unbelievable. There's there's no better talking experience oh. than college football college football players or former college football players playing college football on video games. There, it's it, it it got us through training camps. <laughs> that that's what that you learn to do it in training camp. That's what you do. You're either napping or you're playing that during lunchtime. So. Um, it's, it's incredible memories still have them. Uh, but, um, other than that, I hope everybody's staying safe and, uh, bear, if, if you got anything else, we'll, we'll throw it to Cole here. Yeah, let's, uh, I'm, I'm curious to, uh, to, 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 listen to, listen to Cole and, uh, and, and see what he's got to say. And one also thing, check out the SV pod. Uh, Scott and I had Justin Thomas on, uh, this week. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, he is, uh, shirtless. Um, and, uh, really bored. So he, uh, he, he called into our podcast and it was awesome. Well, that, was, that was, that was nice of him to do it. I, I, I got all excited because it, I thought it was going to be a great start to my, uh, my, my, my golf pool. We have, we have like a year long, uh, golf pool. It's like, uh, the WGC events and the majors and a couple of the early, and, and, I, and I had JT, um, <laughs> to start the year in Hawaii. I had Webb Simpson, uh, in, in Arizona. So I, I was off to a, uh, a great start for the uh, 
for the year, man. We are, uh, we're on a, we're on a, uh, we're on a halt for the, uh, TBD. So, uh, we're going mm-hmm. to do, uh, see what, see what JT's got to say. All right. Now we welcome in Cole Kubelik, uh, SEC Network. Uh, love everything he does. Watches more film than I know I can possibly fit into a week. Uh, knows every player on every SEC roster, it feels like. I can't imagine, uh, how many high schools he knows about. Uh, he is my favorite bald war eagle. Cole, welcome to Stanford Steven the Bear. How are we doing? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Uh, hope you guys are staying safe and uh, kind of finding your way through this entire thing. But I'm, I'm excited to join you guys today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to start with some with some with some NFL draft stuff. Uh, just knowing, you know, you're on the field uh, with your crew during those SEC Network calls. Um, you know, you're up front. You're a former uh, center at Auburn. So, you know, you and I and I know Bear likes the big uglies up front. Um, so you have an appreciation for these guys. And there's two guys at the top of the draft looking at McShay's latest mock, and they, they're not going anywhere. And it's a guy from your alma mater, Derek Brown, and then Mr. Kinlaw from South Carolina, who you and I have, have talked quite a bit about. When you look at them right now, and they're coming out of college, okay, and then you compare to who you had, who you think has the higher ceiling, what, what differs there? Oh, uh, there's, there's not a ton of differential from the ceiling perspective. I just think they're, they're kind of different style players. Kinlaw is going to give you more length. He's going to give you, I mean, the guy's got an NBA wingspan and I, I, I want to say it measured over 80 inches at the combine. It was, it's insane. <laughs> um, you shake it, you shake his hand and you feel like you're shaking an NBA guy's hand and you see him walk around and the guy's got like no body fat. Uh, I think, uh, Jeff Dillman, his strength coach last year at South Carolina, told me he was like 17% body fat at almost 320, which is just, it's insane. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that the Jags are sitting there at, I think, nine, and Kinlaw's yes. probably, probably going to be on the board at nine, and they just lost Calais Campbell, who is another really long, tall, lengthy, freak show defensive tackle. And Kinlaw fits right into that mold uh, of what he was and what he is. And I think Kinlaw has the same kind of ceiling. Uh, both of these guys have recently had kids. They're both super mature. Uh, they both love the game. They both are going to put the work in. You know, Kinlaw is a, still a little bit more raw than a Derrick Brown. I think Derrick Brown's a little bit more of a finished product. And I think Derrick Brown has more versatility. You put the film on with him at Auburn, you'll mm. see him running the tilt nose. You'll see him playing three technique, five technique. There were times that Kevin Steele allowed him to sort of be a stand-up defensive end when they went with their bigger packages. Like, you go watch that LSU game, and, you know, they kind of ran that 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 3-1 look, which technically they took the fourth defensive lineman and put him at Mike Linebacker, so they still had four down linemen on the field. But Kevin did a nice job of sort of disguising some things. And Derek Brown would be at a, at a stand-up defensive end at times. But he's loose enough to be able to do some of those things I think Kinlaw, his flexibility slightly would be one small knock that I would have on him versus Derrick Brown. But Kinlaw's a guy that I was really worried about leverage. I was really worried about was he going to be able to win with pad level and hands. And he really came a long way with that last season and showed me that he could be an excellent pro. Put the Georgia game on, put the Alabama game on, and you'll see a one-man wrecking crew. You could say that for about any game with Derrick Brown. And he does it in different ways. He does it with power. He'll take on double teams. He can two-gap. He can penetrate. You know, he's, and the thing I love about Derrick Brown the most is he'll track plays down from the backside. 
So if he gets a toss sweep the other way or outside zone the other way, there are a lot of times you'll see him making tackles while pursuing from the backside of those plays. You don't get many 315, 325-pound D tackles that are doing that. They're just not putting that kind of effort in. They're not exerting that kind of energy. Both of these guys, in my opinion, are can't-miss products. I mean, the backstory on Kinlaw is just incredible. Whew, and Great story. I was so glad, yeah, so glad that people at – at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine, got to hear a little bit of it. You know, we were we were in Columbia two years ago, and T-Rob, the D coordinator who played with me at Auburn, and Muschamp, they sort of alluded to it and, and told us a little bit about it, but I, I don't really think – I don't think Javon was even really comfortable talking about it that much then. And then he came in and sat down with us last year when we had him, and, and he opened up and told us the whole thing and told us how it went down. And, and you're talking about a guy that thought about – quitting football to go work for his family he and his father were living in his vehicle uh, they were going motel to motel he was homeless and thought about thought about walking away from football to just try to go get some kind of income and and literally told us one of the main reasons that i came to south carolina to play football was and this is not just a south carolina thing but i knew i was going to be able to eat i knew i was going to get meals and that's one reason that i stuck with football uh, because i knew that i would always have meals on the table wherever i decided to go play so you talk about a guy that's hungry, a guy with something to prove, Javon Kinlaw is absolutely going to be that guy. Yeah, so yeah, I'm with you. Both guys I feel like are just home runs, man. And I, I just worry I'm rooting for them so much, you know, because of the stories. You know what they put on tape. You know how good of kids they are. And I just, I, I'm hoping for the best of them because they, they both deserve it. Uh, I wanted to go on the other side of the line. McShay's got uh, the first tackle going to eight, Arizona at eight with Worfs out of Iowa. And then he's got Cleveland taking Wills out of Alabama at ten. If you're say, let's just say you're Arizona, you want it, you want an offensive tackle. Who, who's who's the tackle you're taking? Holy mother, that 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 is a complicated question because with at Arizona, I'm I'm thinking they need a guy to plug and play at left. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, if that's the case, I might go Andrew Thomas. Okay. Uh, I don't think you can go. I don't think you can go wrong with Tristan Wirfs, uh, and I think he is probably the most plug-and-play ready left tackle in this draft. I agree. Um, but I think if you're talking the guy who's closest to that with a higher ceiling, mm-hmm. that guy is Andrew Thomas uh, out of Georgia. Now the ultimate yep. ceiling guy is Mackay Becton. We know that. I mean, yep. What, what, no, six eight, no doubt. Three seventy. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Louisville. He's got a ton of power. Can yeah, can move people. I mean, he, he's literally like the human excavator. When you watch him, I feel like he picks guys up and moves them out of the <laughs> That's way. That's a great call. Um, <laughs> now, if, you, if you're going right tackle, I like Jedrick Wills more than any offensive lineman in this draft because he gives you nasty, he's physical, he's going to finish, he's a road grader, but he struggles a little bit in pass pro. It's one of his knocks, doesn't have the quickest feet, doesn't change direction as well as he needs to, and he's only played right. So he may be a little bit limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Andrew Thomas might be my guy. If I needed a left tackle that I was going to spend this kind of money on this early, that I was also projecting out to be a guy that we were going to have for the future, Andrew Thomas might be that guy. But you, you can't go wrong with Wirfs. You can't go wrong with Wills. And, and I think Beckton's going to be a great pick for somebody. It may take him a year or two to get ready. But the top four or five of the tackles in this draft are – it's a heavy-hitting tackle draft early. I think yeah. it's a pretty big drop-off after that. But I, I, I think all those guys that we've talked about are going to be solid in the NFL. You, you mentioned Wills from Alabama, one of, the, one of the draft props out there. 
is a number of Alabama players to go in the first round, which it is uh, obviously a very good number at five and a half. I think we all think that uh, Xavier McKinney is going to go in the first round just because his ability to do a lot from that safety position. So I guess it basically it comes down to uh, is, do you think Trevon Diggs at cornerback will be uh, the sixth Alabama player taken in the uh, the first round? You, you think that would be uh, an over five and a half? You think Diggs goes in the first round? Yeah. Well, so what are we looking at? Five and a half is where that number is right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I you, think you, got probably... two, you got two. You got two. You got two. Wills and two receivers in McKinney, and then so you need one more. Yeah. Because I'm with you, Bear. I think McKinney comes off the board way earlier than people think because. You think about where the NFL is right now. You, you, you're not, you, you, you're trying to get away from exchanging personnel all the time. This is a guy that can line up at slot corner if you need him to. He can come play the run in the box. He can back off and be a deep field safety if you need him to. And, and he has the ultimate stamp of approval. He's one of Nick Saban's guys. Like, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking played for Nick Saban. I'm talking a guy that Nick Saban will legitimately go to bat for. Like, uh. he is Minka Fitzpatrick. He is Landon Collins. Like, he's that kind of a guy as far as what Nick Saban thinks of him. So there's going to be a couple of teams that hear that and say, oh, we got to get this dude in. And I I don't think there's another player that – I mean, obviously, Simmons can do a whole bunch of things. We know that. I mean, he's a Swiss Army knife, and and he's the utility guy, but he'll be closer to the line of scrimmage. But if you're talking about guys on the back end, like Okuda is your lockdown corner, yes – I don't know if there's anybody else that has the kind of versatility that McKinney does that's going to be projected to come off the board that early. So I think you're looking at a need and somebody who can fill a couple of voids on a team, and McKinney will come off the board much higher than people think. With Diggs, I would probably say no. Um, I think C.J. Henderson's a first-round corner. What will hurt him is I don't think there will be a run on corners in the first round. We're going to get a quarterback run. We know that early, right? And then if two, by the time the second tackle comes off the board, because that top four or five group is so good, I think you're going to see a run there. There's going to be a ton of receivers come off the board. We know that's going to happen. And then I think you're limited at a couple other spots, like inside linebacker, very limited. Corner, a little bit limited. If you need like a quick twitch pass rusher off the edge in like a 3-4 scheme, I think that position is a little bit limited. I even think – I think there's a lot of really good running backs in this draft, but I don't think there's many elite running backs in this draft. So I could see maybe a couple of running backs or one or two sneaking into the bottom of the first round that we might not anticipate. So it's going to be D-line, quarterback, receiver, heavy, early. I think tackle, there's going to be a run on early. And then when that happens, usually those are the positions that sneak into the bottom of the first because those are the positions of need. And if there's a lot of movement at the top, which I think there's going to be, those teams that move down, is corner going to be a position of need for them? I, I, that's what we don't know, and that's what could uh. potentially change all that. So if it were me right now, I'd play the under on that because I don't think Diggs comes off in the first round. Hey, what, what about the two receivers from Alabama, Judy and Ruggs, for, for, for those who really who haven't spent every minute of the last three years or so watching these guys? Um, what, what are the differences? I mean, would you, you would have Judy right ahead of Ruggs. I'm assuming most people do. And, uh, and just uh, how, how do you think both of their games translate to, to the NFL? I've heard some people make comparisons with uh, with Judy to maybe Marvin Harrison. Oh boy, that is a uh, that that is a hell of a comp. Um, I think I think actually I think Judy may be a little more loose than Marvin Harrison was. Um, 
he, he might not be as quick twitch. I don't know if he's as stout. I don't know if he's as durable and physical. I mean, I know Marvin Harrison wasn't big, but, I mean, he was a guy that was not afraid to challenge the middle of the field, not afraid to take hits. And Great blocker, too. Off. Yeah, absolutely. Very, Great. very tough, very physical. You know, I, I think if you need a number one receiver, Bear, like you need a do-it-all guy, like, okay, we're putting the franchise on this receiver. He's your go-to guy. you got to go Jerry Juvie. He's he's the best route runner in the draft. He has the best hands in the draft. And he may be he, – he's probably the most elusive receiver in this draft as far as just avoiding different styles of coverage, finding ways to get open, and getting his body away from defenders. Now, if you're in a situation like Kansas City was – and you, all you need is that guy to help take the top off where they went and took Miko, Miko Harmon out of Georgia. And not a lot of people thought that was a smart pick, but I think Andy Reid knew what that guy could do to open up other things in their offense. Then I think Henry Ruggs is your guy. If you have a number one or you have an outside guy that you know, we're good here and Ruggs can help bring that extra safety attention and you know, he's going to be able to run past people. See, the thing is, there is no system that doesn't require someone to run past people. Pro style, spread, quick ball distribution. I mean, if you're dink and dunk, whatever, even if you're run heavy, what are you going to play action for? It's to buy extra time to push the ball down the field. So a guy like Ruggs with his ability to be able to run past people and take easy throws and turn them into explosive plays, you can fit him in anywhere. I just think that if you really need a number one guy, you got to go Jerry Judy because he's going to bring you value in so many different ways. I mean, 50-50 balls, finding balls in traffic, catch radius, those are the kind of things that Judy is going to give you a little bit more of than Henry Ruggs does. Before the year started, uh, one of the guys mentioned is potentially one of the uh, best defensive players in the country. Guys getting a lot of a lot of hype with Grant Delpit, obviously had a great year in 2018. But his game seemed to slide a little bit in 2019. Can you attribute that to, to injuries, do you think, or was it missed tackles? It, it, should, should there be a – because he's not even mocked in a lot of places to go in the first round now, which I think would probably surprise some people if we would have told them that before the year. I mean, do, do you think there's a chance he slips into the uh, the back end? Is he someone that someone's going to get maybe a potential uh, real steal with, with the value they're picking him up in the second round? Uh, there's no doubt there'll be value if he's in if he's in the second round, especially towards the middle of the second round. And you're right, he was. I had him, and, and trust me, I caught plenty of hell for this going into the season last year as the best football player in the SEC going into the year. I just thought he did so many different things well and added so much value to your team in different places because I saw him cover the slot, I saw him come up and play the run, I saw him rush the passer. He could do all those things. And again, with the conversation we had about McKinney. Delpit gave you all of that. I think injury is a little bit of a concern. I do think there were portions of last season that there was some body protection that was happening, some business decisions were being made. Uh, I think that tapered off towards the end of the year when he sort of saw the light at the end of the tunnel and what was in front of that LSU football team. I think that kind of went away. Uh, but that's going to concern scouts. That's going to concern GMs when you're talking about putting first-round money on a guy. Athletically, physically, has every uh, every bit of ability to be – a big-time safety in the NFL, but physicality and durability, when those are your questions at that position, it's probably going to find you a little bit further down the draft board than some people realize. All right, uh, a couple quick ones on the way out. Uh, what? How do you best utilize Isaiah Simmons? Where do you play him? Man. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and piss everybody off on your podcast here. Um, <laughs> 
the floor I, is yours. As a as a college football player, I love Isaiah Simmons. I thought I thought Brent Venables did an excellent job utilizing him. I thought he did an excellent job making plays. I I've, and I've talked to scouts about this, and I've had a few guys that say, "Hey, man, I'm I'm with you. Uh, don't put my name on it, but I'm right there with you." Um, I'm with you, Steve. I I don't see where he fits. Mm. You're telling me you're telling me some of these flex tight ends in the NFL, he's going to be able to run with those guys and co- you you're confident him manning up Travis Kelsey. I, I I don't and I know you're not facing Travis Kelsey every week. I get that. Yep, you're right. That. You're right. But is he? Is he quick enough, fast enough, athletic enough to cover the slot, be it a flex tight end or a slot receiver? I think he's physical enough to play the run close to the box, but can he do it for an entire season, and can he hold up against NFL offensive linemen and NFL blockers, be it H-back, tight end, fullback, whatever you're going to get? That's a question mark that I have. Is he strong enough, powerful enough to be an every-down, stand-up, 3-4, outside rusher? Uh, even if you're going to drop him a lot of the time, yeah. I get that. And there's value there, but I don't know if he's that good of a rusher to be able to, you see, every yeah. guy that we're talking about in the first round, we can say this and this, or this, this, and this, or definitely mm-hmm. this. He does this better than anybody else. Well, the thing that Isaiah Simmons does better than anybody else is line up at different places on the field. And he makes plays from a lot of those spots. I get Sounds, it. Like, I a lot like, sounds like a lot like Jabril Peppers, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Some of it, I mean, he, the physical part of it is going to be a different conversation because you're yeah. getting this long 6'4 freak show that moves and runs. I, if there's an NFL comp for me, and a lot of people want to say Derwin James, and I, listen, I watched, I watched Derwin play at Florida State, and I'll be, I didn't think Derwin deserved to go as high as he did coming out. I'll be the first one to admit that. I'll, I'll put my name on that now. But I don't see Derwin James as a college player. I think Carlos Dansby out of Auburn, about 15, 17 years ago, is the closest comp that I've seen to Isaiah Simmons. Now, Carlos would knock your mouthpiece out and did not mind playing close to the line of scrimmage. I, he was a scout team linebacker. He came to Auburn as a wide receiver and was a scout team wow. linebacker my senior year, and we hated blocking him, hated blocking him, because he was a, he was a madman, and he loved to hit. Um, I think that's the kind of player that he will need to morph into an outside linebacker that can be a hybrid player that can do different things. But I don't see him get – whoever drafts him is not going to get away with playing him off the ball as much as Clemson did. And you think an NFL team is going to allow a 15, 17-yard deep safety to blitz and actually impact the pocket? That ain't happening in the NFL. I mean, put the Syracuse game on. And right. Isaiah Simmons is blitzing from depth, single safety depth, and getting sacks and getting quarterback hits, that won't happen in the NFL. So I wonder where his true fit is. I wonder where he – and listen, I understand he sort of fits a lot of places, but where does he truly make an impact? And if you're taking a guy in the top five, in the top ten, he damn well better impact your team somewhere in a serious way. And I have some questions that, that Isaiah Simmons might not be that guy. That's, I think he's the most dangerous pick in the first round that anybody's talking about. I, I think it's a very dangerous pick. That high. I watched him, you know, play his last, his last, what, three games in person. And I, I love him. Absolutely love him. Love the way everything about him. I just, when he, the NFL is just such a different animal. And yeah. I just look at, you know, if, if so, like you mentioned the three, four outside linebacker thing. And I think that's what's going to happen. I don't know if he likes that, 
But I think the team that does that is going to say, you know what? We trust our coaching. We trust what we do. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do because you're going to be awesome at this. So yeah, I, I just, I, I really feel for the kid because he might not be, um, you know, as, as, uh, you know, you don't want to be negative about the kid. I just hope he realizes he's got a lot of work to do, you know, and to be great. He was great in college. He could be great in the NFL. I just, I'm, I just, I want the best for the kid. And I think it might be a little long, you know, to make that impact that where everybody's expecting. And when you turn on the tape, you see at the college level, I think it's going to take him a little bit more time to get rid of, you know, there's space in college. There's a whole lot more space in the NFL. Um, other one, your favorite player that's not going to be a first rounder, maybe not a second rounder, but you just love the kid. Uh, man, uh, it would be easy to go Marlon Davidson out of Auburn, but I'm going to go Logan Stenberg, offensive guard out of Kentucky. I think he's still probably a maybe day two, day three guard. He's uh-huh. a little bit stiff. But you talk about a guy that finishes, that plays the game the way it's supposed to be played, that brings attitude, that brings na- – like he will change the demeanor of your offensive line. I think he can change the demeanor of your offense if he's good enough to be inside your system and playing every down. You go watch the film of Logan Stenberg. I mean, hell, they had to yank him a couple of times because he was doing too much. I mean, Stu he pulled him aside and had multiple <laughs> conversations with the kid like, hey, buddy, you got to calm down. Like, we can't take any more penalties, but that's his nature. That's his demeanor. Uh, you know, he, he told me stories about how his mom would tell him when he was a kid. He's like, the only way to, to not get beat up is to beat up the person trying to beat you up. Like, that's that's who he is. And so I love watching him play. He's not near as physically gifted as a lot of the other offensive linemen in this draft. But he makes up for it with style of play and nasty, and he is a lot of fun to watch. You, you mentioned uh, DeAndre Swift before. He, he, I think most people have him as the number one running back. So do, do you think he does go in the back end of the first round? And who would your number two running back be? Because I know who mine would be. I just, I'm just curious to get your opinion on who you think might be the second back to go. Man, I think I think there there are some serious sleeper running backs in this draft. Mm. Serious sleeper running backs. Like, if Cam Akers had a dude who could block in three years, <laughs> what would what would we be talking about him as right now? Like, we would. I mean, we, we might be talking about him on the same level as another elite Florida State running back that came out a few years ago. Like, I think he's that kind of talented. Now, he did have a big injury, and obviously, people are going to hold that against him. I think Zach Moss is a super sleeper in this draft. Mm-hmm. I think Keyshawn Vaughn. If Keyshawn Vaughn gets the attitude where it needs to be, he's got every bit of physical ability to be an elite NFL running back. He just there he, he he did not enjoy being a college football player from what I saw a season ago, and I think that'll turn some people off. You know, you wonder about Jonathan Taylor and AJ Dillon, two guys that had a ton of production. Guys like us love watching those kids play. Like those are our kind of running backs. Those are the guys that you know, we would have never of mind running 65 run plays in a game with the way those dudes do it. But how good of a fit are they going to be mm-hmm. in the NFL? Then you see what yeah. Derrick Henry's doing, and you're like, oh, man, maybe they could be really successful in the NFL. But i got to go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. If there's, if, if there's a number two back for me, like, is mm. J.K. Dobbins more exciting? Yes, absolutely. That was about uh, I was going to say Dobbins. Yeah, I mean, is he is he more electric? Yes, 100%. There's no doubt about it. But go watch the pass pro cut-ups of Clyde Edwards-Elan. Absolutely. And then put the Alabama game on and see the checkdowns 
<laughs> and the bodies that he made mm-hmm. miss to get extra yards just in that game, just in that game. And this is a guy that going into last season, I remember making remarks like, this is running back you. This is the place where elite running backs come to thrive. And they got to rely on this guy. Like, this is going to be their dude this year. And he turned into just that. He turned into a dude catching the ball out of the backfield, pass protection, making guys miss, running through people. He is – he reminds me a lot of, of, of Kevin Falk when he was at LSU. And I think he can be that kind of a back in the NFL that you can rely on him to do a little bit of everything. He may not – he's not running past people. He's not, he's not making people miss at a Barry Sanders-type level. And he's not Christian Okoye running over people. But I think he – there's literally no box that you can't check that he's above average at or pretty damn good at. So I think Clyde Edwards-Elair, even at the bottom of the first, brings a ton of value to an NFL football team. Love it. Love the kid. Love him. Uh, awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, I do have one more true or false, and then you explain the story. True or false, you've seen Vanilla Ice in concert more than once. True. I've seen Vanilla Ice in concert in the same week more than once. <laughs> Tell the story. Tell the story. <laughs> the 1996. I think the Independence Bowl that year was played before. New- yeah, because we went out on New Year's Eve. Uh, the Poulan Weed Eater Bowl. <laughs> Auburn versus Army. A dogfight to the finish. We found a way to pull it out. I was a redshirt freshman. I, did, I, I ran Army's. I ran the triple option of the scout team offensive of lineman in practice. So I didn't have a ton going on. And we're in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'm not 21. So I'm having a hard time getting on the boats. I can't go gamble. I can't uh-huh. go play cards. I, I can't go roll the dice. I can't go do any of that. So what do you do in Shreveport, Louisiana, as an 18-year-old uh, college football player with a ton of time on your hands because you're there for a week to play a football game that you're not even going to play in? So we're in a cab going to some bar one night, and he was like, well, Vanilla Ice is playing down at the warehouse tomorrow night. And when he says warehouse, that wasn't like a cool name for the bar. It was the literal warehouse that they had the concert in. We, like, pull up. There had been some factory there before, and we walk in, and the worst part about it is, like, you'd be embarrassed to tell your friends you did this. But then we go in, and this is, like, the grunge phase vanilla uh, ice. So uh, he's got the, like, predator dreadlocks and, uh, like, the nose rings, and he's he's wearing, like, the potato sack hoodie pullover thing, burlap, whatever that was back in the day. Um, but he did play Ice Ice Baby at the end. He played like the grunge version and then the yeah. actual version. And then the night of the game, we go out again, and <laughs> our cab driver taking us, I guess there's a downtown street for where we're going. And he's like, well, you know, there's a Vanilla Ice concert. I can just drop you guys <laughs> off there. And we're like, hell with it, man. Take us. We'll go see him again. Because, I mean, we're, we had like, well, there was a lot going on that was actually enjoyable at the concert, none of it being the music. So we figured we could replay that part of the concert at the next concert. So, yes, I have seen Vanilla Ice perform <laughs> two times in less than a full calendar week, and I don't have any desire to ever see him perform again. All right. Very good. Uh, on the way out, favorite fan base in the SEC outside the state of Alabama? No, it's got to be LSU, man. I, I don't know how it couldn't be. Like, even if they're mad at you, they're mad at you in a way that you can enjoy. Like, 
when Alabama fans get mad at you, like when, when Georgia fans get mad at you, like Florida fans get mad at you, it immediately goes personal. Like they're, they're drumming up old pictures. Like they're talking about, they're telling stories. Like they're making things up. Like LSU fans get mad at you and it's funny. Like you laugh at it and Mm -hmm. it's just cool to see a fan base that loves their team that much that gets behind everything. I mean, gymnastics, baseball, basketball, they get behind everything that school does and they just do it in a different way. Like, I can take you to Auburn and a lot of and Ole Miss and Georgia and Gainesville. Like a lot of those college towns in, in, in the SEC sort of mirror each other in, in different ways. Like Tuscaloosa, Columbia, Lexington, like they're a lot of them are very similar in their own ways, in little different ways. None of them are similar to Baton Rouge. None of them. Nope. None of them are similar to the way it is when you walk in that stadium. I get a different feeling. Now, listen, I'm undefeated in Tiger Stadium. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about when I walk in there. So, 97-99 cigar game. Yeah, you can call it. See, people tell me, people try to come at me and say, you cursed your team. Cigar game, 1999, where we ran them out of there. And, and I, I bet there was 12,000 fans there when that clock hit zero in the fourth quarter of that game. Ben Lear to Ronnie Daniels. And everybody tells me I cursed them, but I'm like, Hold on a second, man. I'm undefeated there. How? Yeah. Did I, cur- I didn't curse myself. I didn't curse me. Like I'm, you didn't beat me there. So I'm feeling pretty good about this cigar game in 1999. So, but there is I mean, Gainesville is special. William yes. Bryce is special. Jordan Hare is special. Neyland is special. The coolest thing is when people ask me, "What's the loudest place you play?" I'm like, well, "What year?" Because mm. when Tennessee, I, I played in Knoxville the year after they won a national championship. Ain't no stadium on the planet louder than that place was that year. Ever. Never. Not even close. I played in Gainesville the year they won the SEC championship. I thought that was – and, and the, those students are literally four feet behind you. Yeah. Four feet behind you. Like they somehow snaked around the rule that you can't put the students behind the, the bench or something. I don't know. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you go to Tiger Stadium at night, and there is no place in this galaxy like that place. So nope. it depends on who's rolling, who's good, who's the best. But, I mean, I've been into overtime at night in Tiger Stadium. There is nothing like it on earth. And those people are just special, man. They're, un- they're unbelievable. You've you got to love and respect what LSU fans are and what LSU fans do. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, shout out to all those fans. Hope everybody's doing well. You, my man, I appreciate your time. We'll catch up soon. I know you got plenty going on. Uh, keep doing your thing down there and stay safe. All right. Love it, man. Appreciate you guys. And, uh, it sounds like I'll talk to you tomorrow, Bear. So, uh, we'll hook that yeah, up. Absolutely. And, uh, Definitely. Hope to, hope to, hope to be able to do this again soon. He was the first guy I thought of when, uh, we had some downtime and we didn't even get to the, some of the college football stuff I wanted to get to, but the draft stuff, there's nobody like Cole and I appreciate him coming on, Bear. Yeah. I, 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 the, the thing that struck me there was his, I guess opinion or thoughts would be the, uh, on, on Isaiah Simmons. Uh, that is very counter to what the perception is out there with, with how well he tested and the combine and, uh, lining up all over the place, and 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 well, see what, what I was getting at with uh, with your Bull Peppers was, I think at Michigan, Peppers was more lauded for low. You can line them up and all. I I can I can remember like going like three games at a time where like we did a lot of Michigan games that year on, on yeah. ABC, and I can remember like going like games at a time where 
you didn't he see Jabril Peppers make a play. So that's kind of what I was getting at. He didn't do anything his entire college career. Let's just uh, say. Oh, 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 okay, Buckeye. He had one okay. career pick. One career pick, Bear. <laughs> one career no, pick. No, no, but, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I think he got more publicity and more hype for A, being in Michigan, and B, oh, you can line him up at linebacker. You can line him up at strong safety. You can line him up. At, and, like, he didn't have production, whereas at least Simmons had a ton of production in college. Yeah. Uh, but, but now I think the fact that they're talking about lining up in a bunch of different places, but, but that, that, that was an opinion that I have, I, I have not seen, uh, very many people, at least publicly, uh, voice some concern about potentially taking, uh, I say as him inside high. He made some valid points. That's for sure. Uh, so, um, anything else going on, bud, before we wrap up? No, not, 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 not a heck of a lot. We just have to, uh, um, waiting for the, uh, the the Saturday past performances to, to to pop in there and take a look and see what kind of kind of race we have going on this weekend and and just uh, staying as much as possible. Got to see, see if you're going to be on the menu for the for the coming weekend. Make a uh, make 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 a little a little grocery list together and see what I'm going to uh, see what I make this weekend. What about you? Uh, I'm still here. We're working every night, so it's it's it's. I don't want to say it's a relief, but. Um, being able to come in, I pre, I feel pretty fortunate when, you know, being able to do stuff, uh, with Scott and, and do this podcast with you. Um, I'm just thinking about everybody out there. I know people are having a tough time staying home. It's what we got to do and, yep. uh, stay safe, brother. Take us away. Unless you bet, the more you lose when you win.